You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. It is great to be with you again. I thank you for tuning in. Your skin is the largest organ system of your body, and skin problems are the number one reason people see their family doctor. That's also true for your pets. Skin problems in dogs and cats are not only common, it's easy to rack up several hundred dollars in vet bills trying to find the problem and make your pet comfortable again. Lisa Fiorenza is a veterinarian in Whippany, New Jersey, who sees skin problems pretty frequently. And it's often after owners have spent several months going to different veterinarians trying to find the answer, trying to solve their pet's irritation. Well, these itchy, miserable pets are often helped by looking beyond the skin itself. And Dr. Fiorenza says that's why she follows the principles of holistic veterinary care. Um, so a holistic veterinary care is really looking at the whole patient. We're taking everything into account, um, similar to integrative medicine in people um, or even you know functional medicine in people, um, where you're not just coming in for a specific symptom. We're looking at everything. We want to know about the pet's um, background, their history, what they're eating, what their exercise is like how the emotional state is, uh, all of those different things, because everything plays a role in the pet's health. Um, so we, we integrate a lot of different therapies. It's not just your conventional Western medicine where we are, for the most part, dealing with you know giving medications or uh, performing surgeries. We're also using acupuncture, herbal medicine, supplements, um, nutrition, and lots of other modalities. Got it. So as it applies to skin care, I suspect a lot of those factors you talked about, diet, external, emotional, all those things can can show up in skin problems, right? Yes. Uh, So skin issues are one of the most common things that we see in practice. Um, A very large percentage of pets today especially dogs, but also cats, do deal with skin issues. And a lot of them are lumped under the category of allergies, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an umbrella term. And it can, it does not necessarily mean just one thing. Um, So all of those pets can need different treatment. They can have different reasons for their allergy flares, different compounding factors. There's a lot that comes into it. Got it. So uh, Fido comes home from a walk and he's got really itchy feet. That could be a holdover from what he ate earlier in the day, or it could be something that he walked through on the walk. How do you find out? How do you know? Yeah, a lot of it is history. And that's really hard to treat these patients the first time around because we don't have enough information yet to figure out what the triggers are. So in that situation, you know, if there's no change in the food, if we've eaten the same thing um, for the past few days that we've been eating and there's no real changes there, we would assume that it's something outside, whether it's pollens are high and we're walking through them or someone just had their grass treated and we walked through that um, or, you know, any other number of reasons. 
Yeah. What is it about dogs and their feet? They seem to be the uh, a real hot spot for problems. Um, uh, the dog that we have sharing our house uh, tends to be chewing at his feet an awful lot these days. What might that be telling me? Yeah. So it's a very common area for pets to have a skin issue present. Um, there can be the occasional dog that's doing it more for a behavioral reason, but the vast majority, it's mostly a skin issue. Um, they're they're just a sensitive area. I mean, first of all, they're not really walking around with shoes. So exposure mm -hmm. on the paws is going to be a huge thing, whether it's, again, pollens or chemicals um, or just moisture. You know, if their feet are staying wet from being outside constantly or even from constantly chewing on them, that moisture is going to promote bacteria and yeast overgrowth. And, you know, those those bacteria and yeast can be normal on the skin but that moisture can make them just grow to abnormal numbers and that causes more itching. So then we get to, are we itchy because of an allergy or are we itchy because maybe we had an allergy and now we're just infected from the moisture? Yeah. So I get it. It's kind of a chain reaction sometimes. Yeah. What's a sign that I need to be looking for that it is in fact a yeast or a fungus kind of problem? Um, those dogs do tend to have uh, hair loss on the toes, redness, um, really smelly toes, uh, even more so than your typical like mild Frito smell. That's kind of the the common scent that we're that we um, are used to. So if you go sniff your dog's say, feet, say that like again. Milk. You mean like Fritos, the food item, the the, oh, the yes, corn chips? Yes, it is completely destroyed Fritos for me. I was never a big fan, but even more, <laughs> even more anti-Fritos after that one. Um, so go, go sniff your dog's feet, see if you agree. <laughs> uh, but if we have a really bad odor, if we're super itchy, we're chewing them all the time. Um, they're really red. They're painful. That's a big one. Uh, they have discharge, like you're seeing any kind of oozing, um, any kind of sores. Uh, those are big indicators. Um, in your lighter colored dogs, you won't really see it on a black dog or like a dark brown, but it's really apparent on the white dogs. Their saliva and their tears, and this, this goes for all of them, but the saliva and tears when they are sitting on the skin or on the um, fur for a while, meaning that they're chronically wet from the saliva or from the tear staining, uh, mm -hmm. it actually turns a brownish red color. And that's because yeah, of the pigment. That. Mm -hmm. That's the pigment yeah. in their saliva and in their tears, and that uh, can be an indication that they're they're you know they're chewing more than they should be, um, because if they're just doing the occasional cleaning of their paws, they're usually not going to get discolored. But if they are licking and chewing them a lot, they're going to get that discoloration. Um, and when that's the only thing we see, it's always a little hard to tell. At that point, I usually say, you know, try some Epsom salt foot baths or things like that. Clean the feet regularly. The Epsom salts help with itching and things like that. Um, so it's kind of an easy way to start before you get to more significant lesions on the paws. So when you say clean the feet, uh, do I need to be careful about soaps? Can I use anything that I would use on my skin, on my pet? Um, gentle is the way, you know, I, I love the Epsom salt soaks where you just get Epsom salt from the store 
and you mix it with water and you let them stand in that or you can rinse their feet with that uh, and you don't rinse it off you let the salts dry out the skin a little bit and that helps with the itchiness um, because it does double duty you're washing off any outside pollens and chemicals and you're helping to reduce the itching that's the primary reason for the problem so what is the deal with Epsom salts? What is this stuff anyway? Well, it's a compound of magnesium, sulfur, and oxygen. Despite the name, it's not a salt at all. It was a pretty common treatment in the old days. My grandma Edna used it for aches and pains, and it is still widely used today. The magnesium is believed to help reduce inflammation and has long been used to fight acne in humans. Epsom salt is believed to be both antibacterial and antifungal. It's important to make sure there's no open cut or wound on your pet's foot before you soak them in a bath, and Epsom salt can act as a laxative if they drink enough of the foot bath, so watch out there. It has a bitter taste, so probably not going to be an issue, but just, you know, fair warning nonetheless. When we come back, what if the problem is not your dog's feet, but your pet's ears? Dr. Fiorenza says that's a sign the problem may really be what's in their food bowl. And we'll explain all of that next, right here on the Health Call Radio Hour. You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, your regular weekend appointment with top healthcare professionals, where every session is painless and we never keep you waiting. Now back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back. This half hour, we have your dog and cat on the exam table with holistic veterinarian, Dr. Lisa Fiorenza. Your pet can be miserable when skin conditions leave them itching, scratching, and biting themselves due to well, a broad range of problems. Fleas and allergy to pollen, not uncommon, of course, but those can often be easily addressed. Issues with itchy ears, well, that can be a real challenge. They certainly are a big problem for the golden doodle in our lives. Dr. Fiorenza says when she sees chronic ear problems, she starts asking about what is in the dog's food bowl. Highly processed commercial dog kibble is often associated with ear problems that many owners struggle to resolve. They can be tough. There's usually a combination of issues there. Um, typically, when we think of a combination of symptoms of the ears, the paws, and also the anal glands, so itchy ears, itchy feet, itchy butt, um, that is often suggestive of food being part of the problem. It's not necessarily a slam dunk, but it's suggestive to at least be thinking about food. Um, and when we see that, like really, so in the ears, specifically talking about the ears here, um, when we see that that moisture build up, that excessive moisture, the bad odors, the itchiness, um, in Chinese medicine, we call that damp heat. So that just means that there is a lot of inflammation and there's a lot of irritation of the area and the ears will start to produce more earwax um, because of it. And you can also have some um, anatomical issues that can make it worse or, or can be the primary problem. If you have some kind of abnormally shaped ear, um, 
then that can wind up leading to more infections or some, some dogs like poodles and, and maybe doodles too. Uh, the ones that have the much more hair uh, that have a lot more hair in the ear canals, they can sometimes be more prone to ear infections because that hair can sometimes trap the, um, the wax in there and it can lead yeah. to more moisture buildup. Um, but again, I always think about food as part of it when I'm starting to see ears, especially coupled with paws. We'll talk about food in a second. So what, what type of herbal products or holistic approaches can I use to try and address those uh, itchy ear problems? So if they're just a little itchy and they're not really that smelly and red, then um, I'll oftentimes use like half and half apple cider vinegar and water if, that's, if it's someone at home. Um, the apple cider vinegar can be, it can sting. So if they are like bad ears, then it's usually not, um, it's not my ideal, but there are some herbal combinations that are helpful specifically for the ears. Um, there's a few different companies that make, uh, herbal herb based eardrops that are very antibacterial, um, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, help reduce pain, help reduce discharge. Um, so that's really kind of what you're looking for. There are a lot of mm -hmm. different products that can use that, um, or that, sorry, that can do that. So, um, but then you also just have to make sure that their ear is safe. Um, a lot of dogs will have eardrum issues with ear infections. So you do want to make sure that the eardrum is normal, which means they have to go to the vet, um, for us to be able to look at it because if the eardrum is damaged, and certain medications get through, it can damage the hearing structures or, or the balance structures and cause bigger issues. Okay. So you mentioned food a moment there as being a leading cause of a lot of these allergy and reaction sort of issues. Um, what's going on? Is, the, is it the proteins in the food that the dog's system is reacting to, or is it chemicals? What, what typically is the problem? Um, so at least on the conventional side, the thinking is it's predominantly the proteins in the food that they're overreacting to. Uh, having worked with a lot of patients and, and um, my practice really focuses on using whole foods for, you know, for feeding our pets and our patients. Um, so that does seem to help. Uh, I would say I, I kind of, when I counsel people who are coming in with their pets for allergies, I tell people probably around 50% of dogs are going to respond very well from a diet change to kibble and other processed foods um, to a fresh diet, whether it's a raw food diet or a cooked diet. Um, usually try to do gently cooked, but a good proportion of pets will significantly improve with just that. And um, when I couple that with other herbal treatments and supplements and things like that, it, we see more improvement. Um, there is another subset that doesn't respond as well to diet. And those are usually because there are other issues. Um, a lot, a, a good portion of the rest of them, it happens to be a microbiome problem. Um, so certain at that, at that point, we want to make sure we're getting some carbohydrates that are good for the microbiome. So you're, um, a lot of your veggies, like your green beans, your carrots, uh, even some sweet potatoes and things like that. Um, and I use that in combination with certain herbal formulas to help fix the microbiome. Um, and then another portion uh, is an immune system issue. And I mean, 
the immune system and it's involved in all of them, but you know, that other subset really needs some immune system help. Um, so that's kind of the, the general way that I think of it in my head, but I tell everyone start with food, see where that gets us. And then let's go from there. So talk me through a fresh food diet for my dog. Is it something that, um, I'm preparing foods myself. Am I buying prepackaged fresh foods? What are my choices? So both of those, basically, especially nowadays. Um, thankfully, we've been blessed with a lot more fresh food, pre-made uh, packaged foods for our pets now. Um, I would say in the last maybe five years or so, they've really blown up, um, which means that we have a little more competition in the field, which is always going to help with prices. But um it's, we've also seen uh, that benefit extend to cats. There's, there were very, very few, and there's at least um, maybe five companies that I know of now that do some fresh foods for cats. Um, so when I say fresh foods, I, I count both raw foods and cooked foods in that category. Um, some people, for either one of them, are comfortable um, getting the ingredients and making the diet themselves. Some people just don't have the time for that and they'd rather do something prepackaged. There's a good portion that will do kind of a hybrid of both. Um, and I, you know, I, I try to work with all of my clients on things that will fit their budget and their time budget. And we talk about how, you know, if we can't do the fresh foods, we're, we're starting at a disadvantage. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, what if I do, you know, half fresh foods and half kibble. And my answer to that is, you know, unfortunately you're still feeding a lot of the processed stuff in that case, and it may still hinder our results. So, you know, if that's the best you can do, that's the best you can do. And we see what happens and we um, adjust accordingly, but we're still at a bit of a disadvantage at that point. Okay. So you heard Dr. Fiorenza mention healthy diets delivered to your door as an option. There are more than a dozen companies I've found online offering to send nutritious, even raw food menus for your dog or cat. Their websites invite you to share the pet's weight in any specific health problems you're trying to solve. They then suggest a specialized meal plan. The cost seems to range from about a buck a meal for small dogs to $3 or more for a 65-pound mutt like ours. But you can find a number of recipes for your dog or cat online that guides you through making foods designed to minimize their skin problems. In the show notes and on the HealthCal website, you'll find links to veterinarian-approved homemade dog food recipes. I found one calling for turkey thighs and organ meats, grated vegetables, sunflower seeds, and oils, all mixed together in specific amounts that ensure the dog gets the right mix of protein, fiber, vitamins, and fats based on their weight. The recipes look pretty easy to follow, and just one afternoon in the kitchen can produce several days' worth of food for your dog. It's a labor of love to limit the processed kibble, but, you know, when you've tried everything, maybe it's worth a try to help your companion feel better. Dr. Fiorenza says, try it for a month or so, and you will know whether changing the diet is the answer to your pet's skin problem. Again, the links are on the HealthCall website at healthcall.live. All right, we're back with the second half of the program. I hope you can stay tuned. Hi. 
podcast by Federated Media.